I'm going to ask the rest of you to take your copy of God's Word this morning and open up to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 as we continue our verse-by-verse exposition of this, this book that Peter has given us to encourage us in, to be faithful. Really, I mean, the whole point of Peter's book is really to be faithful. He's writing to a people um, in his time that are facing increasing persecution, hardship, difficulties, and he just wants to encourage them to be faithful. And in this latest section, as we near the end of the book in verses 5-7, through seven, we see this encouragement towards humility. As Peter reminds us and as he reminds his readers that, that our greatest need in life, for everything that we endure, for everything that we face, our greatest needs are met in God's grace. And he tells us that the secret to enjoying God's grace is to be humble. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning in reverence to the reading of God's holy and inspired Word as we read from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5-7. through 7. You, younger men, likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He might exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Heavenly Father, as we come to Your Word this morning, we recognize it first and foremost as Your Word unchangeable, holy, and perfect. And we thank You for speaking to us through it. May Your Spirit open our hearts and our minds to receive Your instruction, and may we apply these truths in a manner that is pleasing in Your sight as You continue to conform us to the image of Christ. It's in that most holy name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. The whole key to this passage, of course, lies in the last part of verse number 5 where Peter quotes out of the Proverbs saying, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. We began to look at this last time, to look at this passage and, and to recognize that Peter is reminding us of our great need for God's grace. We need grace in order to be saved. Amen? Um, Now, I mean, and you're not going to experience the grace of God in salvation unless you humble yourselves before God, recognizing your sinfulness and your guilt before a holy God and coming to a place of confession and repentance in which you place your faith and trust in God. That is the, the first act of humility before God, if you will, and also the first response of God God's grace in our life. But we said, as we said last week, that's not really what Peter is addressing in this. That is an application of grace and humility. But, it, but Peter's really, he's speaking to people who already believed. He's speaking to those who are, he's trying to encourage them to faithfulness. And he says, I recognize the hardships which you're facing. I recognize the difficulties that you're up against. And I want you to understand that you need God's grace to see, to see it through. You need God's grace to overcome 
And if you're going to experience that grace, you need to remember to be humble. Because we have a really bad habit in in our lives, just in humanity in general, to be prideful. We like the center of attention to be on us. And some of you are thinking, I don't like to be the center of attention. But if you you don't like people's attention on you, you at least want things your own way, right? Anybody here doesn't want things to go their own way? No, we, we all do, right? We all want things to go our own way. Why? Because we're prideful. Because we think we know what's best. Because we think our ways are best. Because we have the best understanding. Because we understand what's going on. And, and so pride seeks or, or comes into our hearts and comes into our lives. And what does it do? It separates us from God. Because the more that we allow pride to guide us, the more we're trying to do things our way and the less we're trying to do things His way. And so pride is, is opposed to God's will. Pride is opposed to God's purposes and God's plans. And we must realize and recognize the need to be humble in order that we might experience God's grace to the full. We talked about last week in verse number 5 how grace is so important and humility is so important in the life of the church. Particularly in the life of the church. Why? Because Christ's church is His bride and He has a special place for His bride and His plans in this world and in eternity. Christ is working through His church to accomplish His purposes. Christ is using the church to to exalt His name and to proclaim His gospel and to be a witness to the truth of who He is. And therefore, if the church is going to be what Christ desires it to be, it needs to have members who are humble. Which is why he tells us in verse number 5, clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. And so we, we talked about that last time. And, and this morning as we, as we move into verses 6 and 7, I want you to understand that, that there is somewhat of a transition happening here as Peter, is, as he's addressing the church, He wants them to understand he knows that the church isn't always gathered together, that there are things that happen in life outside the congregational life, and that but even in that realm, as much as we need grace in the life of the church in order for the church to be what it's supposed to be, each of us individually needs grace in our lives so that we can be what God desires us to be as individuals. And so In order to experience that grace, just as in the life of the church, we also need to be humble. And so he tells us in verse number 6, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. This is a command. This is an all-encompassing command. Now this, this would include congregational life, but it goes beyond that. And we see this transition taking place through this passage as we recognize the applications that are taking place but it is a all-encompassing command toward humility it excuse me and it seems especially appropriate the more that we walk through this life and and i could, could excuse me i keep thinking about the audience that peter was writing to this is the people that were undergoing persecution people that were 
had increasing hostility and opposition towards them as God's people. And, and we've been talking about this as we've walked through 1 Peter. That's not all unlike where we are in our nation, in our culture. There's an increasing hostility towards Christianity, an increasing opposition to those of faith. And, and what we need to remember is that it's not up to us to win the battles. It's simply up to us to be faithful to what Christ has given to us. To humble ourselves under His hand. You know, we, we, when you go through life and you encounter people and, and you, if you're on the internet, and I know most of you are, and you read a lot of different things and how people respond to faith and, and Christianity and, and how people manipulate Scripture to their own purposes and their own desires, and you begin to recognize that there is a loss of respect for who God has said He is because people want to reinterpret God and reinterpret Scripture to fit their own desires. That is the ultimate destructive power of pride. In which we, instead of conforming ourselves into the image of God, we seek to conform God into our image. We try to make Him what we want Him to be. This We, we think about the grace of God, and, and we begin to think, well, because God is gracious, then my sin really doesn't matter. After all, if, if uh, the more I sin, the more grace is poured out, right? So, well, it, no, right? I mean, Paul addresses that in the book of Romans, and, and he tells us, you know, there that, that we shouldn't sin that grace may abound. He says, may it never be. God forbid that it should be that way. But that's kind of the mentality that people take. They think of God's grace, and they think of and they think, well, that's just, that just means I can just do what I want. And my sin's really not that important. And then on the other hand, you have the idea, you know, God's grace being a, a picture of God's love. And of course, we know the Bible teaches us that God is love. Well, then we begin to try and reinterpret God's word and God's character based on what we believe it means for God to be love. We think, well, if God is love, then He shouldn't do this and He shouldn't do that. If God is love, then he shouldn't, he shouldn't punish people. He shouldn't judge people. He shouldn't condemn people to, etern to an eternity of suffering. After all, if God is love, then He wouldn't do those things. Have you ever heard somebody say those things? People take that mentality. Why? Because they're reinterpreting God based on their own understanding rather than on what He's told us in His Word. The problem is, is that if we're ever going to experience God's grace, we have to do things God's way, not our way. If we're ever going to experience the blessings that He's purposed for us and the desires that He has for us, we need to understand that it's not up to us to, to make God into our image, but simply to submit ourselves, to humble ourselves under His mighty hand. So this, this is applicable, as I said, in, in, in the church, and it's also applicable outside the church, in an individual life. In the church, and not specifically uh, the congregation, but in ministries in general, we see people ad adopting this and distorting this as, as uh, new ministries begin, and, and people get a burden um, to, to have a need met. They see a need out there, and they think, well, this, you know, I just need to be involved in this because God's given me this burden. But they're not biblically qualified to be a leader in the church. So what do they do? They say, well, God's given me the burden. I must have to do this, so I'm going to do it anyway. Well, they've stepped outside 
of God's will and God's word to pursue their own desire. What's that? That's pride. Right? Perhaps if God's given you a burden for a particular ministry and you're not biblically qualified to lead that ministry, perhaps God's called you simply to be an advocate and an encourager and a support for somebody who is qualified to lead that ministry. But pride gets in the way, and it says, I want it done, I think it should be done this way, and I'm the one that needs to do it. But God tells us, we need to trust Him. We need to trust His purpose for us. As we look at how humility and grace affect our life this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about the difference between God's purposes and God's plans. And this is just a way that that I've um, approached this text to help me understand what Peter is dealing with and how the Lord is instructing us through this Word. Because we need to learn to trust God's purposes for us and to trust God's plans for us. Now you may think there's not really a big distinction. In, in general, there may not be, but for the purpose of this text and walking through it, I want to explain what I mean by these terms. When I'm talking about God's purposes this morning, as we look at here at verse 6, and, and He tells us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time. I believe that refers to God's purpose for us in the roles that He has for us to fulfill. That is, there are certain things that God wants us to do in this life, certain roles that He calls us to, and, and certain areas in which we are to minister and we are to serve the body of Christ, and outside of the church, certain responsibilities that He gives us in order to honor and glorify Him. Those are the roles, those are His purposes for us. Beyond that, as we get into verse number 7, and he says, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you, I want to talk to you about learning to trust God's plans for your life. That is, the individual circumstances that come about as you seek to fulfill the roles that God's given you. So His plans lead to His purposes. Are you all with me? Say amen. All right. just want to make sure you're listening. So, so we need to humble ourselves before the Lord to do things God's way so that His purposes might be accomplished in us. The text says, so that He might exalt you at the proper time. That means not seeking your own glory, not seeking your own authority, not seeking to have things done your own way, but rather to submit to God's way, to submit to God's purpose, and to seek Him in the things that He has purposed for you. As I said, we see it in ministry, but we see it in life as well. How many times do, do people begin in their life to pursue opportunities, to pursue promotions, to pursue things before them because soul, based solely on what they want? You understand that all of your life as a believer belongs to God. There's nothing that's off limits to Him. He doesn't want just a portion of you. He doesn't want just, just a part of you, just part of your time, part of your attention. He wants all of you. And so the, the things that we do with our time, the purposes for which we're here on the earth are to glorify God in everything we do. So is that if you're looking at that promotion, you're looking at that opportunity, you need to ask yourself, does it line up with God's purpose for you? Is it in that, does it help you to better glorify God? Does it give you opportunity to glorify Him in a greater way? 
does it take you away from the opportunities to grow in Him? Does it interfere with your ability to worship and to serve Him? Because if it does, you can almost be certain that it's not God's will. God is never going to purpose something for you that leads you away from Him. His purposes for you will only draw you closer to Him and help you to serve Him better. So we have to learn to trust God's purposes. Warren Wearsby has said that one of the evidences of our pride is our impatience with God. And one reason for suffering is that we might learn patience. I mean, when you think about life and you think about the things that we endure and the things that we go through and, and you think about, I mean, anybody ever impatient with God? I mean, just a, just a show of honesty out here. Y'all are lying to me? Okay, I see some not head nodding. and There's some hands. All right. So now y'all are being honest. Okay, I appreciate that. So we get impatient with God, right? Because we want things done our way, right? Well, that's, that's pride. But God brings difficulty into our life to get our attention and help redirect us and help us to learn patience. It's what James tells us in the book of James in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. See, God uses those trials and difficulties to teach us to trust Him. To bring us to a place of humility that we might experience His grace. Whether He wants us to be leaders or lay people, whether He gives us prominence, or whether He wants to use us in the background, you can be certain that His purpose for you and the impact that He will give you in the lives of others is far greater than you could have ever thought possible if you humble yourselves under His mighty hand. Pride looks for recognition for who we are, what we've done. It seeks its own way, but humility seeks obedience so that God is glorified in what He does in His way. When we submit ourselves to His purposes and power, then He is exalted. And the Bible says here that He will in turn exalt us at the proper time. I think as Peter is giving this instruction, he may have been remembering Jesus' own teaching in Luke chapter 14, verse 11. He says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And Peter says, If you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, then he will exalt you at the proper time. But when is the proper time? What does it mean if we humble ourselves before God, it, it means that God's purposes always bring about proper ex exaltation in its proper proportion and at the proper time. So again, what is the proper time? I think that there is uncertainty that Peter, at least in part, is, is revealing to that, to that eternity future in which all the faithful of Christ will be honored in His presence for their faithfulness, right? I mean, God is going to honor His children, those that have been faithful. Um, we, we looked at it a few weeks ago. If you look just back to verse number 4 in this text, 
And is he speaking to the, the elders of the church? And he says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And he's just talking about their faithfulness. And, that, and we talked about how that it was not just a one-time recognition, but it was a continual recognition. Because as God exalts his children, and, his, his, and this, this is overwhelming. I don't know if y'all can even wrap your mind around this. I have a difficult time wrapping my mind around it. That when we get to heaven, that Christ is going to present us with, with crowns of achievement. Let me put it that way. Um, he's going to look at our faithfulness of our lives, and He wants to reward us for faithfulness to Him. Now, I can't even begin to wrap my mind around Christ giving me anything more than what He's already given me. Uh, we're so undeserving. I think that's why in Revelation it talks about, you know, they're going to throw their crowns at, you know, at the feet of Jesus and... You know, we're just, because we're not worthy. But yet he promises exaltation in future glory. It's, it's coming. It, it's, it's a promise that he's given us. So I think at least in part, Peter's looking to that. But I don't think it's exclusively to that. Some commentators say he's only, he's only looking at, at, at eternity future and the promises of, of heaven because it fits the theme and, and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, the, the commentators don't know everything, right? So... But, I mean, if you look at what Peter's saying here, and I think the use of that word proper time goes beyond eternity future. I think that, I think that God lifts us up and encourages us and strengthens us and gives us recognition when it pleases Him to give glory to His name. And, and I think even as we look at Scripture and if you look at, I mean, that teaching of Jesus in, in Luke 14, 11, you look at the context leading up to that, and Jesus uses a real-life practical situation to explain it. In Luke uh, chapter 14, verses 8 through 10, he says, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this man. And then in disgrace, you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline at the last place so that the one who has invited you, so when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. Now, certainly Jesus is using this to teach spiritual truth, right? He concludes by saying, you know, back in, in, verse, in verse 11, where he says, I can't even find where I, where I went with verse 11 there. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So that's the spiritual truth that he's getting to. But he gives us a very practical way in which that is worked out. So you can't, you can't exclude the practical real-life experience just because there's a spiritual truth attached to it. Because what he's saying is, is true, Right? I mean, if you're invited somewhere and you take the lowest place and they ask you to move up, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be exalted, right? That's a real-life, practical application. And so I, and I think the Lord works that way in, in life sometimes. And, you know, we can trust God's purpose for the roles that He desires us to fill, giving us the recognition that He wants to give, whether or not it's in this life or in eternity future, there is a recognition that God promises to those who are faithful and who humble themselves before Him. It, it goes back to what 
what Jesus taught, that the last will be first and the first will be last. There, I, think, I, think when, I think when we get to heaven, Northside Baptist Church, this, this group of people, when we get to heaven, I think there's going to be some, some people in this church that are a whole lot closer to the Lord in heaven than I am. I, I, I've been given a, a place of prominence in, in the church in this world. But there's so many people that do so many things in the background that help keep things going and, and, and their faithfulness is, is such that, that it's not on display for everybody. And you know what? When we get to heaven, God is going to exalt them and say, in this life, they weren't recognized, but in eternity they will be. And, and, and there's just that, that truth that we see in Scripture, which we trust God's purposes for us. We don't have to worry about getting recognition. We don't have to worry about authority. We don't have to worry about our, our desires because God is going to do what serves His purposes best and what honors Him the most, and we can trust Him to do that. But I want you to see also, not that we just trust his purpose, but he also trusts God's plan. Look at verse number 7. It says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Is it any surprise that trials and tribulations in life cause anxiety? I mean, everybody gets that, right? Difficult times come into your life, hardship comes, anxiety levels go up, right? It's, it's just kind of the way things work. It increases our anxiety. You say, well, what does anxiety have to do with pride? Because, I mean, I think we understand, you know, when, when we have anxiety, it can show a lack of faith, right? Because we're not trusting God, and so our anxiety goes up. But what does it have to do with pride? How are the two connected? Well, here's the reality. Pride is not always about boastful arrogance. Pride is about being self-centered. So what is anxiety? Anxiety is focusing on our problems, our weaknesses, our difficulties. It is a self-centered response to our circumstances. Therefore, it is related to pride, and which is why Peter includes it here, telling us if we're going to be humble, we need to learn to not be anxious. I mean, in fact, Scripture teaches us in, in Philippians, and I don't have the slide up for you this morning, but in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, be anxious for nothing. That's a command. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God, so that He might guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and give you a peace which surpasses all understanding. You see, we're not supposed to be anxious. Now, what, is, what does that mean exactly? Because I don't think there's a person in here that, could, that has control over anxiety the way that Sometimes I think the way sometimes that it's preached and sometimes the way that it's taught. We all deal with it, right? We all deal with anxiety. And, and, uh, but I think when, it, when Scripture speaks of this, this type of anxiety, it's talking about a controlling fear. It's talking about this anxiety which, which grows and disrupts life and just, and just takes, us, takes us so far away from God that we lose our focus. We lose our ability to, to function. And so we overcome pride by casting our anxiety on Him. That means we recognize He can handle it. That's what it means to cast on Him. That word casting, it's, it's, it's a word that means to, to throw upon. 
Um, the only other place in Scripture it's used is, is also in Luke's Gospel, and, and it's the story of the triumphal entry where Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, and it talks about the people were casting their coats on the ground. Well, they cast them onto the, onto the donkey and onto the ground, right? And, they, and, they, and to make the way for Jesus coming in. So just, it's just throwing it over there. So that's the picture. When it says, cast your anxiety upon him, it says, just take it and just, just throw it on Jesus. You know what? He can, he's able to bear our burdens. He's able to take our anxiety and, and to carry it for us. I, I came across a, a, a meme on Facebook this last week. Actually, my wife, my wife had posted it, and I don't know where it originated from, but I wanted to show you with it this morning because it just fits so well with what we're talking about. And it says, you're lying in bed trying to figure it out, and Jesus is saying, it is finished. Stop worrying, unclench your jaw, drop your shoulders, relax your brow, and breathe deep. He has everything worked out for your good and his glory. You are in his hand. What a beautiful thought. What a, what a great reality that captures for us the very essence of what, what Peter's telling us here. You know, sometimes we just take biblical truth and we just need to reword it just to, just to provide that insight for us, to, to comfort us. The Lord is able to carry our burden. This, is, this verse in particular, as is, is we're looking at it this morning, but as I've been studying it over the last few weeks, has, has really been an encouragement to my heart. As a lot of you know, um, a few weeks ago, our oldest son, Isaiah, who's an 11-year brain tumor survivor, um, got a not-so-good report on an MRI that he had gotten that there was a new cyst on the back of his brain. And, of course, you know, we, and if I was to tell you, because of all that we've dealt with with him over the last 11 years, that, and we've seen God work mightily in the past, and, and if I were to tell you that because of all of that, that we weren't anxious, I would be lying. Because anxiety flooded our home <laughs> and our hearts and our head and 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 it and it's been it's been a rough couple weeks as we've awaited results but we kept coming back to the truths we kept coming back to these realities we kept coming back to the promises of God and you know what you know what's awesome about this verse cuz he says casting all your anxiety on him in and this doesn't come across in the English because English is just incapable of communicating the things that sometimes are in the original language in the Greek. But this, is, this, this uh, word, it carries the idea of a continual action. Because you know what? Peter recognized as he was encouraging the people that anxiety isn't just something that you can deal with at one time and just be done with it. It is, it is, a, it is a need for us to continue to tank, take our anxiety and to cast it to throw it on Jesus. We, we, every time it begins to sneak into our heart and to, and to bring despair into our hearts, we need to take it and we need to throw it on Jesus. And it's not something that we just, we, you just, again, you don't just do it one time, you just keep doing it. Every time it comes at you, you just keep doing it. You keep taking it and you keep casting it on Jesus. Because you know what? You're not going to weigh Him down. You're not going to weigh Him down. He can carry the load. He says, come to me, you who are burdened and heavy laden, and, and take my yoke upon you, and I will give you rest. He can carry the load. And just as a, I just want to take a moment, and this isn't 
from the text, but I just want to praise the Lord this morning because we had a second MRI done and the, what they thought was a cyst or possible new tumor, they're now saying is nothing but a, in, an imperfection in the lining of his skull and it's not anything to worry about so we don't have to have, we're not have to worry about surgery or anything. So, so thankful for that, for that news this week. And, uh, and you know what? And, and it's not because of anything we did. did. It's all because of what God did. And, uh, you know, we're, we're still figuring things out. And, uh, but you know what? God is faithful. And we can trust Him to deal with our anxiety. All the time. God is good. Instead of focusing on our weaknesses, we focus on His strength. And we remember, not only is He able to bear the burdens, but He wants to. You see the last part of the verse here? It says, casting all your anxiety on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. That word care, it means, it means He has concern for you. He has, a, he has a desire to do what's best for you. He's concerned about your well-being. He's concerned, most importantly, about your relationship to Him. Because this is where it's all rooted. All of pride and humility and grace and the need for it is all rooted in the reality that we live in a world that is broken and deteriorating and is under the curse of sin. And while God created everything with order and beauty and perfection, when sin came into the world, it messed up God's perfect order. It brought with it confusion, trouble, death, and destruction. But even from the very first time that sin entered into the world, first of all, God knew it was coming. And He already had a plan to defeat it. And He sent His one and only Son into this world because He loved us with an immeasurable and infinite love so He sent His Son to come and to be what we couldn't be, to do what we couldn't do. And He offered Himself, after fulfilling all the righteous requirements of God's law, Jesus came and gave Himself to be a sacrifice and a substitute in order that the wrath of God against sin might be satisfied in Him. That the curse of sin might be defeated. And that we might gain victory through Jesus Christ. When the Bible speaks of Jesus coming and being the satisfaction of God's wrath against sin, it uses a, a, a really big word. It's called propitiation. Shows up a couple times in the Bible, so I think you ought to know what it means and what it is. But I think it's best explained in 1 John 4.10. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The satisfaction of God's wrath against sin. 
found in him. It is the truth of the gospel and the power of salvation for all who come to Jesus in faith. You know, sometimes when we face the darkest hours of our life, we are tempted to wonder, where is God? We are tempted to doubt his love. That's pride. Because it's, we're so focused on our weakness and our problems and our circumstances that we forget to see how big and how good and how awesome God is. We need to remember in those moments that sacrifice, that immeasurable love that was demonstrated to us on a cross on, at Calvary so that despair might be replaced with confidence and hope and courage, remembering the great price that was paid for us and the surety of God's promises that have been worked out through the ages and are fulfilled in Jesus. And to know and understand that God, even now, for everyone who knows him, is working to conform us into the image of Christ by the power of his spirit as we learn to humble ourselves under his mighty There are so many things that we will endure and encounter in this life that we're really just not prepared for. Sometimes difficulties and hardships come into our life because of poor choices that we make. But the reality is, is that a lot of the difficulties and, and hardships that come into our life aren't because of anything we've done. They just kind of happen. Regardless of the reasons why, God's grace is sufficient. But to lay hold of grace, we need to humble ourselves before God. He is able and He is willing for all who come to Him in faith. His desire is to strengthen us and to help us to grow in Him and to be victorious over those things. But it only comes through humility. Starting with his church. God desires each and every believer to be a part of his church. We need each other. We need solid biblical teaching. We need fellowship and friendship and encouragement and strength. And we need God's grace. Let us pursue humility toward one another. Within the church and just within life. Holding others as more significant than ourselves, as Scripture tells us. Seeking the Lord's will and the things which are pleasing to Him. Before we make decisions, asking ourselves, will this honor God? More than, is this what I want? Let us humble ourselves to trust his purposes for us and to pursue that which we know is 
part of those purposes. And then as circumstances, as we engage the circumstances of life, trusting his plan, that his care for us is greater than any difficulty, and the hope that he's given is better for us than, than any, any secular answer the world may have to offer. I don't know what you're facing this morning, what difficulty may have crept into your life, what hardship or anxiety may be plaguing you. But God does. And His grace is there for you. And it is sufficient if you will humble yourself before Him this day. Let us pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we recognize Lord our life is often just a, a big mess we have times where things seem to be in order and, and going well and for those times we rejoice and we thank you but so many other times Lord there's so much going on we can be overwhelming but Lord we know that anxiety and despair are not part of your desire for us. We recognize, Lord, that as we seek to even fulfill the purpose for which you've put us in this world, that sometimes our own personal pride can get in the way from doing what you desire as we seek our own. Lord, lead us in humility. Help us to remember the great sacrifice that Christ made for us so that we would not think more highly of ourselves than we ought, but we would submit ourselves to your truth and to your purposes and to your plans for our life. We recognize you may not always do the things the way we think you ought to, but you always do what's best. And you always do what brings the most glory to your name. Father, give us a heart for your glory. Give us a heart for your gospel. And continue to build us up in faith. That we might honor the one who gave everything for us. His name is Jesus. Speak to our hearts this morning, Father. Humble us before you and lead us to respond that we might cast our anxieties before you, that we might repent, Father, of, of prideful assertions and decisions and that we might experience the power of grace today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.